Hello, and welcome to The Bomb Squad. I'm your host, writer-director Andrew Hada. My films right now, The Last Ones and Borderland, are on sale. So go to any store that only accepts masks and get it from there. I'm here with my co-host, Joshua F. And we're continuing our summer of guests, which at this point is probably our winter of guests. Uh, and we've brought on uh, Enola Lagosi. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. <laughs> it's always that weird like podcast, like we've already talked about this, but let's do it for the for the audience. Um, oh yeah. So today we're continuing our fall of guests. And as you know, on the Bomb Squad, we always uh, appreciate the underappreciated. So uh, Enola brought us the Silver Bullet, or Silver Bullet, it's just Silver Bullet, uh, the 1985 film, uh, written by Stephen King and directed by Daniel Addis. And it stars Gary Busey, it has Corey Haim, a very young Corey Haim, and it has Terry O'Quinn, who is always cool when he shows up, it has Megan Follows. And so, Josh, tell us what this movie is about. Uh, a werewolf menaces a small town and and only a handicapped boy can stop him yeah that's that's uh that's pretty good um <laughs> so Enola, why did you pick this film so i picked this film because it's actually one of my favorite films it's the first horror film that i remember watching ever and it's what got me into creature features and horror movies as a kid i probably watched it when i was between the ages of five to seven so yeah it is it is weird because i have heard of it but i hadn't seen it until you recommended it and i was kind of thrown off because it has <laughs> i was gonna say you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> well and i was thrown off because it has like a 45 percent on rotten tomatoes but I don't know why so many critics didn't like it. I thought it was pretty enjoyable. I have to agree. It does kind of feel like, oh, if you have, if you wanted Stephen King to write a werewolf a werewolf movie, this is what it would feel like. Like, it's in a small town. There's like the there's like the preacher and stuff. But I mean, yeah, that's what Stephen King's known for. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it was. Uh, I was surprised that it had such low scores too, because I was like, yeah, this is good. I mean, this is a very, very quality through line in this movie, and that. Uh, it's got those little touches that I like, you know? Yeah, I guess looking back, I looked at Roger Ebert's review again, and even though he had a lot to say and he called it a comedy, which I don't... There's comedic moments because of Busey, but it's not really a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> he did end up saying he overall like liked or enjoyed the film, despite all of his gripes. Yeah, and you know what? It's funny. I read that review, too, and he was like, oh, this is a great satire of Stephen King's work and it's like I don't think it was supposed to be that <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think it, was, it was him and his element yeah <laughs> and plus it's based on a novella that is that reads more like a calendar with just a um a kind of a chronicle of the different werewolf attacks around town oh that's interesting yeah that's a pretty cool way to do it I like that idea of like that's why novellas are always cool because you can like write yeah. things in different ways it's I think it's the shortest novel technically he's ever written and it's uh based on Cycle of the Werewolf. Okay. Yeah, and he he actually not only did cuz a lot of times people will say like, "Oh, this is by Stephen King," but they uh they just mean he wrote the book, but no, he also wrote the screenplay. He did Yeah, he wrote the screenplay for this. Yeah. He was very involved. Yeah, so and I feel like it's it it retains that King that King feel to it as opposed to like some of the other movies where they have the king like framing, but they don't have like his voice as much. So I think that was like another plus in its uh, in its category. Also, so Corey Haim he plays a, a disabled kid. He can't he can't feel or he can't use his legs, and um, his name is Marty. And he gets he gets like the coolest thing I've ever seen. Where he, they like Gary Busey's his uncle, his uncle Red. And he gives him like this dirt bike that he can kind of attach to, 
And it's like that thing was so cool. I was like, this looks better than any dirt bike I've ever seen. <laughs> right. He ma- he literally like makes him a motorized wheelchair yeah. that has automotive parts on it and makes it like really, really fast. <laughs> yeah, and you can like drive um, it. Like it can go the speed of a car, but you probably need to be really careful, yeah. especially in that bumpy country <laughs> road. <laughs> Seriously, it is funny because like, yeah, because Corey Haim will ride it like over like to the edge of the schoolyard on the grass and i was like oh my god that would be the most uncomfortable ride <laughs> i know you'd be like just jostled around <laughs> yeah. i did like it though well because the his wheelchair you see at the beginning is just called the silver bullet on the back right um and then when he makes him the the, the dirt bike wheelchair equivalent it's also the silver bullet so it's like the silver bullet mark ii or something like that you know and also this movie's about werewolves well, unrelated. I don't know if you got that connection. I, I don't think that was, I don't think Stephen King made that connection when he was writing it <laughs> to unrelated elements. Yeah. Also, I just realized that it's funny because he names his, his uh, wheelchair and his dirt bike Silver Bullet. And in it, Stephen King also names the bike uh, Silver, but after the Lone Ranger horse. But it is kind of funny that twice, <laughs> twice he's used Silver as a naming convention for like a writing. Yeah. But, oh, let me just explain kind of more, a little bit more about the plot. So it stars, uh, Megan Follows is Jane, and Corey Haynes is Marty, and they're brother and sister, and they're kind of like, they're in this small town. They're kind of at that age where they're not um, super close. Like, they kind of not resent each other, but it's like that. When you're kind of growing up and you're kind of trying to distance yourself from your siblings and trying to kind of make make your own way, so to speak. So they're not super close, and it's a this, oh go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say this is a very common brother sister dynamic. I'm an older sister, um, and I have my younger brother that we grew up together. So like I resonated with this situation <laughs> a lot. So it's just like how annoying your younger sibling can be to you, and they're always doing something to irritate you because they know that it gets under your skin, and then that makes them laugh, and they do it more. So that's very much the Marty-Jane situation. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely that part where you're kind of like, it's more like you guys are picking at each other more than anything else. But yeah, so they've come to this, or they're in this small town, and they're like, and then someone starts killing people, but they're not sure. Like, the first guy who gets killed, it's kind of like a a little bit of a drunkard and he like his head gets chopped off in a really cool way and it lands <laughs> yeah. on the train track so people just think that it was an accident they don't think it's like anything and also unlike a lot of other werewolf movies it kind of seems like the werewolf is aware at least enough to kind of cover up his crimes you know so that he's not yeah. Yeah, he's, he's not found out right away he's fully aware well, of yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, too, you notice that he's not eating people like no. you would think. Like, oh, a beast who would just, he's just eating people because he's crazy. It's like, no, he's deliberately killing them and just leaving. So it's like, you know, there's something, like, more to it than just, like, just random, like random animal killings. Yeah, yeah. It's sinister, not survival. Yeah, yeah, it's more of a Jekyll and Hyde situation. Which is- I also want to do a, a shout out, his first kill, where he decapitates the guy and then it cuts to it the next day where like ants are crawling out in the sun um they they i totally think they ripped that off in hereditary oh, yeah. when they have that exact same like framing Situation, yeah i was like oh 30 years <laughs> later he stole it so <laughs> i love that scene too because of um the drunkard as he's like singing a song he's stumbling all over the tracks and he looks down and he like sees this giant footprint and he kind of <laughs> I think he actually says, oh, sh- oh, shit. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> um, yeah. And then there's just growling. And stuff, so. It's almost meta. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. And I, you know what? Cause I, I didn't know too much about this movie. And then like when I, I saw like the plot synopsis when I rented it and it was like a brother and sister, uh, you know, and it was just like the basic plot. But so I kind of thought that this was a more going to be like a more pg-13 kind of horror film so when they cut off that guy's head i was like oh, okay now this is a full on we're going <laughs> yeah. full on this which was it was quite a shock how how much they went in that very first scene which was super awesome i also so like yeah so eventually marty who's Cordy Haim, he's he's like trying to figure it out and so like they kind of go through it and in one of like the best scenes because they kill his best friend and then um they're like going to 
they're like, let's do mob justice. And the cop is like, no, don't do the sheriff, played by Terry O'Quinn, is like, hey, no, don't do this. And he, um, like, the, the mob's like, no, we're going to do it. And then the dad, played by Kent Broadhurst, who does, like, a really good job every time he, like, he's, he does a really good job of being someone who's, like, legit traumatized and like yeah pushed to the his edge his grief yeah. is very apparent i just love his whole monologue about private justice yeah yeah he does a real good job and he has he doesn't have that many scenes but he's so memorable in all of them yeah i feel like he's only in the discovery scene of the body the bar scene and, and the, the dream scene. sequence yeah yeah the nightmare maybe right. he carries weight and he yeah, yeah and then the later church nightmare scene yeah it's it's good no he does a good job he kind of feels like he's like moments from falling apart. I don't know. He just has that face. Yeah. <laughs> where he's like, like always on the verge of a breakdown, which would make sense because his son just got horrifically mauled. Right. So. There's blood all <laughs> over that kite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. So like the, after that, the sheriff is like, all right, go do it. And like, they, they're like hunting him in the, in the kind of backwoods and it's all foggy. And that scene was so cool. Cause like, you don't really see too much. Like they're kind they they withhold the reveal of the werewolf, but you do know that it's something supernatural. Um and so like they're just kind of walking and like people are getting sucked into the fog. You just see like a hand come out. Oh man, that was such a good sequence. Yes, I love that scene. Yeah, I think that's when like I started to be like, oh man. That's when I really like started to kind of not pay attention, but that's when I was like, this this movie's super cool there's also this whole thing in that scene just with the brutality of it because like the one person brings the baseball bat and then the baseball bat is used to to beat that same person to death right, right. <laughs> it's just like it's, yeah it's the whole like flipping this um i don't know what, what did you say before about um the mob mentality like kind of flipping it on its head it's yeah like you need to be scared of the um you're not more stronger than the monsters or something like this. I don't know. Right. Yeah. No. And it's good because eventually when you find out what it is, that whole idea of like vigilante justice comes into play more than you think in that very first scene. Right. Yeah. It's, you don't know till later that it's, uh, that they're, that, that it's been happening the whole time. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> things happen in the movie. I was gonna say that uh, that bartender <laughs> who does get beat to death with his own baseball bat, um, labeled Peacemaker, is uh, that's Lawrence Tierney from Reservoir Dogs. And I was like, oh, I always I recognize him, and then for some reason, every time I watch this, I'm like, where do I know? This from? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I always think of him because he was apparently him and Tarantino like were in screening matches on yeah. set. Oh, wow. Yeah, so. It's like the hardest just like dispute he ever had or something like that. So apparently difficult to work with. Great actor, does a great bartender who dies with his own bat. So <laughs> does a real good job of dying. I think in that private justice scene is when there's like a reference to Harmony Hill, which is this cemetery that's in the like Stephen King universe, I guess. Oh, so yeah. um, it actually links um, this film and Salem's Lot together. Oh, uh, okay. Which is interesting that his vampire creatures and werewolf creatures are linked <laughs> within the same universe. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so my, my I, favorite is always when they reference Pennywise because it's always like, oh, and also, mm-hmm. <laughs> also oh, there's a the cosmic way. beast. <laughs> it's unrelated to anything else. See, I, I like the the subtle King references. I don't like it when they're like, you're a writer, but you don't have good endings, uh, like in oh, It like Chapter in 2. I, and they say it like eight times. You're like, I get it. I liked it the first time. I was like, that's clever. And then they kept doing it, and I was like, okay. <laughs> it kind of feels Pulling like back. King is like working through the idea that people don't like his ending, so I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. But no, it was good at this. It was very down-to-earth for Stephen King. Yeah, and like... For this movie, speaking of uh, of the bartender, even like the casting is so spot on. Like Gary Busey as the kind of like Uncle Buckish type, you know, like he's not necessarily like mm-hmm. a, 
a doofus, but he kind of has that like laid back mentality. He's kooky. Yeah, he's kooky. He's like building uh he's building the car for him or the little cart. Like I really liked you forget that Gary because Gary Busey, I always think of him A when he was older and kind of like going off, or also in Lethal Weapon where he's like the psycho killer, you know? So I always forget that like those uh after that he kind of became like, Oh yeah, he's like an everyday kind of uncle. <laughs> what I, I liked about it too is the first scene you see him in um his uh his costume it's it's a faded hawaiian shirt but the sleeves are ripped off as if like a hawaiian shirt wasn't casual enough for him. <laughs> <laughs> he has to go like one step more and i was like all right i appreciate this kind of uh... yeah it's it's a perfect like uh a perfect like example of his character yeah or even later like uh at the end yes they uh he wants to make a silver bullet to hunt the werewolf. And he like goes to the, to the gun guy, the gun owner. And he's like, he makes up this elaborate story about, I love that mon. Yeah. Like about how his, <laughs> his grandson loves the Lone Ranger and he wants them to make it. So, and like the, the guy's like, okay, it was just like, there was no reason he could just be like, Hey, make this. But in his, in his very uncle red way, he like, made up this elaborate side story just to get a silver bullet, which I really Yeah, and even the guts is like, or you're hunting werewolves. Like he doesn't care and he knows, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, that's it's fine. Yeah. It's like I don't care. Yeah, love, there's this uh, this sequence in the middle because uh, like halfway through the movie, you know, people have died and no one knows what to do. And then uh Corey Haim, Marty is really sad that they're canceling the town affair, but it's like, yeah, of course they are. People are dying. But right. so he he gets this his motorbike and he gets some fireworks and he's shooting them off um, on the bridge. Werewolf sees comes. He hits it in the eye and then he, uh, his sister goes around town, like pretending to collect cans and looking to see if anyone has like an eye injury. And for some reason that that scene is super low key. Like it's just a lot of people staring at her and it's so like perfectly creepy. Yeah, you know it has such a good score where it's just like. Oh, this is, it's very like slowed down and kind of like, yeah, this would be weird, you know, just staring at people. Yeah. It's and good. you know, that girl, Megan Follows, I've never seen her or maybe I have, but she didn't look familiar to me. So Megan Follows, sorry, Megan. she's very particular no. about the fact that it's Megan. Um, so Megan Follows is a Canadian actress who starred in the L.M. Um, Montgomery adaptations of her book, Anna, book series, Anne of Green Gables. Oh, yeah, but which she, were she's Canadian. The author's Canadian. The act, the the whole cast was Canadian. It was shot in Canada, Nova Scotia, specifically. Um, I was a big fan of those books as a kid. So, oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I knew Megan Follows because yeah. I had seen the adaptations. Um, and then I think more recently she was in the CW series Rain about uh, Mary Queen of Scots. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that, and she was also in. Winona, Winona Earp, which was it had uh, it was like there's no way you said that right either. Oh, I don't say I don't say anything. She's also in I Am Number Four, (laughs) my favorite, my favorite sci-fi teen film that set up four sequels that never got made. Yeah, young adult novelization. Um, But she does a great job. Like I was constantly impressed because you know Corey Haim. I knew he was going to do a good job because I've seen Corey Haim in other things. But uh, but I had never seen her before, and she did a really good job. I really liked her character and the way she played it. And I'm pretty sure that they they didn't shoot this in Canada, but there it was most there was a lot of Canadian actors in this film. Yeah. So I think that's how she ended up in it because Corey Haim is Canadian too. I think. Yeah, I think so. There's a lot. He brought of... his whole squad over. Well, I don't know. Was it shot? I know it was shot in North Carolina, but you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> But there was like a long period where they were just getting a lot of actors from Canada, like kid actors, especially, I think, because of, I don't know why, to be honest, but yeah, that's not just something more innocent and lovable. About a lot of Disney Channel kids. movies, too. Like yeah. that's They're all in Canada. And I don't know if it's just like a, you know, like cost thing. I think it is. Like it yeah, costs. I think so. Yeah. But, uh, OK, so now we're going to go into spoiler territory for anyone who wants to check this out. If you. You want to check this out i would just say yeah check it out it was a really good film um but now okay spoilers get ready uh so eventually <laughs> they find well when she's going around she finds out that the reverend has like the 
he his eyes hurt, and that's where they start like suspecting the Reverend. I think Corey Haim just immediately is like, "Oh yeah, that's him." Well, and they find the bat in his garage, and it's clearly the broken bat yeah. that he beat that guy with. Yeah. Um. So, and the Reverend has like this dream where everyone's turning into werewolves. Which was like again super cool because it was like a oh yeah on the, they're playing the organ and stuff and it's like yeah. a werewolf I yeah have, yeah I like his fear of like passing on his curse and then everybody he <laughs> messed with coming back to murder him I think he has a series like he what it, he's very conflicted about yeah, like he he has a death wish but he also thinks he's doing good kind of yeah. like yeah but I think yeah. that's why he became a reverend in the first place. Right. Was yeah. To try and counteract his inner evil, his werewolfness. Um, I like how you said it, and then I said it dumber. <laughs> <laughs> his, his dog-like qualities, though. Because uh, yeah, later, when he's he's like, "Oh yeah, I killed that drunk," and then that that woman who was contemplating suicide. suicide. Yeah, yeah. And he says, yeah, and, and and he, was pregnant he kills a kind of jerky kid," and I'm like, "That's taking it too far." Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that kid's was, kind of mean. Yeah, it was interesting because um, I was reading a couple of, like, fan questions about the film saying, like, well, why did he kill Brady? Right. Right? Like, why does he kill the kid? Um, and someone said, well, you know, he's all about um, killing sinners or whatever. But it doesn't just mean, like, morality in the way we think of it. Like, technically, if we're all God's children, we're all sinners, right? That's what he should believe as a pastor <laughs> or whatever. So... He could pretty much kill anybody and just use it as a justification. Yeah. Yeah. You, just be yeah, like, oh, you, they strayed. Yeah. You kind of get the sense that, yeah, he'll kill you and then he'll kind of figure out what, why a little <laughs> bit later. Um, but yeah, yeah, so Corey Haim, like, he kind of traps Corey Haim in this, like, uh, in, like, a, what is it, like, a broken On a condemned tongue? bridge. Yeah, a condemned bridge. Oh, we should say that, that, which preceding that is the greatest chase scene of, handicapped kid on a super wheelchair versus eye patch priest trying to run him off the road <laughs> such a yeah. good such a good like, little montage and that's one of the reasons that i think i liked it so much because in a there could have been like oh they give it to him and then that's it that's like the only time you see it but the fact that they incorporated into the story because if you were a kid like if i was a kid i would never get off that thing either you know you would just constantly be using it and i think that's what made it extra cool was that they were they never like Oh, now he doesn't have it anymore. It's like, no, he would have it all the time. Yeah. And it does get stuck on things very easily in that scene, just like you were saying. <laughs> exactly. As someone who had a go-kart, I know that they're the worst in terms of shock. Um, but yeah, and that's where he like kind of tells them, not his master plan, but he kind of explains that like, oh, I have to do this to uh, to like cleanse the town of sin. They go to the uncle and they try to convince him and then he finds the paint on the car or on the on the dirt bike and it matches the car, like the paint of the car. So they go talk to Terry O'Quell and he's like, okay, I'll go check it out. And then he goes to check it out and the werewolf comes out and he turns into a werewolf and it's super cool. That's one of the things that I wanted to say. What did you guys think of the werewolf design? So there's a lot of complaints about it out there, but I don't have a problem with it. I actually think... It's a pretty cool, very monstrous, big, scary werewolf, and it very much resembles um, the werewolf from one of the original folk stories. Um, I think it's the Beast of Gavadin. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's another reference to that in the film as well. So it definitely resembles like that form of um, a werewolf. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's pretty cool, even though a lot of people are like, it looks like a bear. It's like well, it's a bear with really a big snout and teeth, so I mean, plus I I think that the big transformation scene in this film is at the end, um, and that progressive transformation scene is like still one of the coolest. Yeah, for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're shrinking back in. No, it's good. I, I did kind of like too that it was more. It was very dog like. I don't know the way like the body looks. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was it was good. I uh, I did wonder if they used two different faces for like pre getting shot in the eye with a firework and post because it did seem slightly different near the end like when it's like the wounded version so i was like oh i don't know if it, they just created two and it was like slightly off but other than that it was great yeah yeah well and i was reading the 
the trivia and one of the big trivia things was that even the producer didn't like the yeah. the werewolf costume so he wanted to like he wanted him to completely redo it and the director and, and the writer were like no no we're gonna keep it and it became like this stalemate where they just started filming <laughs> the movie before they had decided so they were kind of like filming all the non-werewolf parts first and then when you see it it's like no this thing looks cool and it makes sense in the fact that he has a little bit or he has a cognitive like powers where he can he's like making these choices as the werewolf so it even makes more sense that he's not like the huge you know uh cursed type of werewolf i think it was hulking cool. beast yeah. yeah yeah i thought it was gonna be like uh more like oh it's just a guy with teeth when i read that trivia and it's like no this thing looks super cool and every time he turns yeah or when he turns at the end it's super like it's so well done that it's like i don't know what yeah where he's like shrinking back and he at that point he's just no eyes yeah, yeah. No, it does look really like cool. still to this day i'm just with the, the those special effects i'm just like whoa like it's really good and it it like oddly holds up yeah yeah i gotta say that I don't know who did the special effects for this film because there really aren't that many except for right. I feel like that scene. That's a big one. Yeah, kind of like, and it, and it was almost like you look at it like wondering because there's like the first time he transforms, you can see his like human eye in it kind of like watching his own snout grow. And I was like, yeah. oh, how did they do that with him in it? And mm. like, you know what I mean? Like, well, I don't know. I know they had an actual suit. Um, it was a suit uh apparently right and not just like a face mask which i'm like oh <laughs> no wonder it's so bulky um but yeah i don't know that's 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 one of the things it just seemed more realistic um in terms of like i could really imagine this happening in small town america yeah yeah and there's always that like um because in, in werewolf movies a lot of times they're like oh that was just a dog and it's like an eight foot tall <laughs> It's like an eight foot tall werewolf. Like, how did you think that was a dog? But in this one, it's like, yeah, I could see someone like kind of not being able to see it in the dark, you know. And this werewolf, it's kind of stalking you anyway. So, yeah, I don't know what uh, the producer was thinking, but I love the I love the design of the wolf. It was a howling good time. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I have to say. Um, <laughs> that was good. And I do like also that he he uses weapons like because he gets the sheriff with the. Is it the same bet, or does he get another? Yeah, he picks up the peacemaker again. Yeah, yeah just smacks him in the head. Yeah, it's a really cool kill, kill in terms of the way it was shot and the way that um, the sheriff like falls back, and then all of a sudden you have blood spurting everywhere. Yeah, everywhere, um, and there's just the flashlight that he's dropped, like right, illuminating the scene. It just looks really great. Yeah, it's a really well done. All the kills in this movie are well done. Um, and yeah, so he, he kills the sheriff, and I do. I just like the idea of a werewolf using like a, a melee weapon. It's like you're a werewolf. Have some respect, <laughs> sir. And then that shows his, <laughs> his human nature yeah. in play. Um, well, no, because right after that scene too, uh, Gary Busey's like, "I mean, I told the sheriff. What else do you want me to do?" And he's like, "Well, yeah, the sheriff's clearly dead now." Yeah, so well, and that scene was something. That scene was uh, <laughs> funny to me because he goes. Uh, he goes, I told the, sh or no, Corey Ham goes, you told the sheriff, and now he's he's been gone for days. And then Gary Busey's like, yeah, what else do you want me to do? It's like, okay, at this point, we need to leave, because <laughs> if the it's... sheriff said he's going to go check it out and he's dead, it's time to go. And the priest has directly threatened your life <laughs> more than once at that point. Yeah. But, and, I, and I feel like that's good. Again, that's like how well uh, Gary Busey's character as the uncle is, where he's like, yeah, I mean, we called the cops. Like, what else? What else is there? It's like, I don't think the werewolf cares if he called the cops or not. Clearly, he does not. There's also there's also something great about uh, before they convince him to talk to the cops, their plan, and this is such like a, a real little kid plan, is to just mail the priest's letters saying, hey, you should kill yourself. <laughs> and don't think you will. Like, it was like, that's such a strange, like, little kid logic of, like, well, maybe if we ask him to directly, he'll, yeah, let's he'll tell, do it. Let's tell him we know <laughs> this will have no repercussions for us. <laughs> but and that's, Well, they are very much those creepy <laughs> magazine cutout yeah. Uh, yeah. stalker letters of the 1980s. Um, <laughs> but I love the final scene uh, in the film as well and the way that uh the creature is stalking them and 
uh, Marty's house. Yeah. Uh, they're all together because this is their whole plan. Like they'll he'll come for us on the full moon and um, we'll be ready, right? With this one, <laughs> one bullet, yeah. Afford to make. Yeah, and it's good, especially because they also say something which I think is cool, but I don't know if it's ever backed up by evidence. Where they're like, the werewolf turns into a werewolf every day, but the closer they get to the full moon, the more powerful he gets. And which I think is a cool idea and kind of a change to the werewolf mythology without being like a huge change, you know, where they still incorporate the full moon. And I, I really like that. But yeah, so they're they've made the silver bullet and they're just like waiting. And I again, another king staple of like right before the huge fight, it's just kind of them watching TV and waiting around, you know, they even fall asleep, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh very i don't know slice of americana um but i had read that uh when it starts to get spooky and uh like the lights go out it's like oh god the creature's here i saw him in the window and then i just love all of megan follows reactions as jane she is selling me on terrified yeah um throughout (laughs) this whole entire scene and then apparently when the creature uh burst through the the wall in this scene uh Gary, they didn't rehearse it, so Gary Busey's reaction, his the fear on his face was completely genuine. <laughs> and that makes, cool. that makes so much sense because, yeah, they hear a, uh, a noise in the kitchen, so they're all, they're all facing the kitchen, and then it mm-hmm. pops up behind them. Damn, that is cool. <laughs> yeah, you, you can definitely I tell. I, uh, wedding. <laughs> I, I did try, like, true imagine, too. I always think about this because essentially, you know, they defeat it and, and the movie kind of ends on, like, that happy note. I'm like, man, how would you then explain? I thought about that too. The eyeless, like, naked priest, and like your wall has been caved in. You're like, yeah, the priest burst through the wall and and attacked us. And just, you know. Yeah, I, I never really thought about the afterward, but at the same time, while I, every time I watch it, I'm like, how are they going to explain that hole in the wall? Yeah. Like, that goes to outside when the family comes back from their like pub- publisher's clearinghouse vacation or whatever. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, just just wing it, I guess. I imagine um, the, I mean, that what happens is Gary immediately goes to like the lumber store and fixes the yeah. side of the house because he's very handy, as we can tell, because he built that motorbike. Right. Yeah, I, 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 this is one of the times where I was like, yeah, don't even tell the cops. I mean, he's dead anyway, but don't tell anyone. Just, just quietly fix the wall and then. Just, yeah, get rid of the body. I do like the idea of the parents coming back and the wall is, like, the wrong color and just <laughs> everyone's pretending nothing happened. Yeah. Know? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> and they're like, all right, let's go to church. And they're like, oh, about that as well. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to need a new priest. Okay. Yeah. You're going to need a new everyone in this town, pretty much. But, yeah, I think, yeah, the ending scene and then, like, once they shoot him, because they shoot him and then he kind of turns back into the priest and i thought like yeah it's one of the best werewolf transformations and if you didn't know i mean obviously you could tell that it's an older film just because of like even the house decor <laughs> looks very 80s but if you were just kind of watching it it doesn't it doesn't look you know out of place even now it still looks really good it holds up really well oh yeah this could still be small town america yeah yeah, no, it's, it's They're very... always 30 years behind. <laughs> cool, because it even, it's it's a film, it's actually, we, we haven't covered this because it's not really important, and it's definitely kind of a carryover from being a book first or a novel. Um, it's narrated by her as having taken place when she was a kid in the 70s, um, so the idea is like, oh, she's grown up and she's telling you now. Right, You know, like right. the story. So it's still supposed to be like, earlier like it was filmed meaning to take place like 10 years earlier but even then it's like not much has changed people still dress like that they would just have cell phones you know it's right yeah it's all very similar yeah i mean again yeah yeah, another another uh i do like the idea because she's like oh yeah me and my brother we didn't get along but after this we did it's like okay that's how you frame this story because (laughs) (laughs) you should have there should have been more to this framing device that you had like the person listening to her tell it yeah 
It's like, and that's how we bonded by killing a priest. <laughs> by, killing, so. by killing a werewolf priest. Is like, okay, you really <laughs> dropped the ball on selling me on this tale you're about to tell. But they bonded. <laughs> Crisis brings people together. That is true. That's true. She she's not wrong in that. That is how they got together. But um, yeah, I thought overall that the movie was really good. It is, it is weird. Like I try to read some of the negative reviews of the film, and I just I don't know. I guess you because they like the same things they didn't like were the things that I liked about it. You know, like the yeah the wolf and stuff, and it's like so. I definitely don't understand the criticisms There's of the, this one. I think the wolf and Gary Busey's performance, right? They think he's too hokey or something. Yeah. And I was like, he ad-libbed most of his lines with King's permission. And um, I think really nailed the essence of who that character is supposed to be. Right, right. And especially like, I don't know, I kind of have an uncle that acts like that. Like, it didn't seem that hokey. Like, yeah, I mean, it did seem kind of hokey, but that's kind of what his character was, you know? Yeah, it's like he's like the kind of not-with-it uncle who's kind of trying to be cool and funny to his, like, nephew. It's like, no, that fits perfectly. Yeah. So. Yeah, like, if he was my uncle, he'd be my favorite uncle. And Yeah. Yeah, right. I think that that works. So, yeah, I don't know why exactly people didn't like this film. I think it's definitely worth checking out, especially, like, you know, if you like Stranger Things or, like, It, of course. Oh, yeah. It definitely has that nostalgic vibe to it. I think that maybe one of the reasons that it, it's considered a box office flop is that it came out around the same time as all these werewolf films of the 80s with, like, The Howling, Full Moon High, mm. Company of Wolves, American Werewolf in London. Like, there's a lot of other films going on with um, more similar in terms of their gore but like they were much more adult in their stories right right so if you were gonna do a side-by-side -side comparison i don't know that you really can because it's the same way that people try to compare like the werewolf transformation or the wolves and the howling in american werewolf in london and i'm just like well yeah i don't know they're great in their own ways and i don't I would, you don't really need to compare them because mm. the same way i think this one is fantastic and it doesn't even get considered yeah yeah <laughs> and especially like because it, it didn't, you know, I mean, other than their werewolves, I didn't really make the connection even between this one and American Marvel. Obviously, this is, like, way after the fact. But, yeah, this is more, because I kind of, the comparison to me goes with, like, the little kids. It's, like, it feels very much like a summer vacation horror film, which is always some of my favorite ones. Where it's just, like, yeah, this is what kids were up to during their summer vacation, you know? Yeah, no, I, and it, yeah, it definitely is definitely like a different feel. Although it's it's very funny to think that there was a period where there was just an embarrassment of riches of werewolf films, you know, that people are like <laughs> turning them away because I was like, I feel like that's not really a genre that gets a lot of action these yeah, days. Like a bring yeah. back more werewolf, werewolf films. films. Yeah, I just watched one of the newest ones. It's out there. So oh, cool. What's what's the werewolf within? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime there's a werewolf film, I'm I'm on it. Yeah, it's way easier to guess which one they are now because there's like one every like six months. <laughs> I want to yeah. go back to the summer of werewolves, where it's just a bunch every every month. There's a different one. Yeah, I do miss like a werewolf summer blockbuster. I, give me more of those. You know, I think that horror films that are kind of set in like an every town America type setting do really well if if um the story is good and the characters are really rich i think that's why um the new adaptations of it have done really well um because king in the way that he writes his characters and gives them quirks and depths and stuff um is what makes them i don't know lovable enough for us to keep coming back <laughs> so um and that's part of what makes this film great too i think yeah it definitely has that king uh feel of like Oh, if there was no werewolves and it was just about these two siblings and like the uncle, like just hanging out during the summer, I would have still enjoyed it. Like they, it's not, no one's really throwaway characters. Even like, again, like the dad who, who does such a good job, like one being traumatized and stuff. Like there's no real throwaway characters. And I, you know, I think that's always interesting. Even like the, the people get ambushed in the fog, you kind of like, 
there's like some who are running away right away and there's like there's yeah, you get like their, snatches of their personality yeah, a little bit you get a little yeah. bit of, of everyone and i think that that's cool especially when it takes place in a small town because it's like yeah in a small town you would kind of get the feel of what everyone was like you know yeah i wouldn't necessarily want them to remake this film but if they gave it a shot <laughs> i think i'd be okay with it like you know if they were going to take king's material and do a modernized version again um just in, i'm like mm, would cell phones ruin this film yeah or would it make it i, I they, they could do the thing where know. the guy tries to get his phone and then the werewolf just smacks it out of his hands with his yeah. meaty paw so they or could they, they could that. make it a period piece that's true so apparently this is considered a period piece because of the fact oh, yeah, that it has a 10 year difference of when <laughs> it came out and when the timing it was set uh in 1976 but then apparently there's all these like continuity issues with the dates because there's like a newspaper from 1980 in the film and mm. then his parents drive a car from 1979 right <laughs> drinking new coke constantly they're like mm. yeah. i'm just like well you gotta love that little stuff i found some of those i consider them to be like funny film easter eggs because at the end of the day that doesn't really take away from the story to me yeah (laughs) and especially now like i couldn't tell you the difference between a 70s car and a and an 80s car unless like one of them was like a 60s vw (laughs) but like yeah I, i didn't notice so i think uh i think it worked but yeah, it is technically a period piece. Now I, w- I want to see now a remake where it just takes place 10 years before now. So in like 2010. So oh. <laughs> people are just I referencing. I love 70s like, <laughs> horror films though. And even newer films that are set in the 70s time period. Like I think House of the Devil did a really great job of that. Um, I don't know if you've seen yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh, but it does a fantastic job of capturing that time period. Um so I like that kind of stuff. I think I'm I'm probably partial to it. Yeah, I really like the look of it. And especially because House of the Devil is especially good. It, it has that like, oh, every every season's fall in House of the Devil. I really <laughs> I really like that idea. Um or that just that seventies feel to it. Yeah, for them I think you're like definitely in the northeast. Every it feels like everything that's set in the seventies except for Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like in the northeast in some like quiet new yeah. england um, yeah based on location yeah it's like very new england yeah um and this definitely had that kind of feel too even though it was just a you know tiny what i think of was like a tiny mountain town or what might be like a coal mining type of town or something like that um but from everything i read and hear when it comes to true crime small towns are the seediest places on earth big cities you really don't have to worry as much as you do <laughs> yeah and i think small towns are scary yeah i think that's why there's a perfect like uh they're like the perfect setting especially for these type of horror films where they're like oh what is that happening because yeah in small towns it's always like a little bit creepier because there shouldn't be any noise because it's so small but there's always kind of something going on i feel like it really helps it really helps that creepiness factor, and this one uses that very well. Well, then there's the small town rumor mill. Everybody knows something, yeah. but it's all misinformation of the actual truth, or <laughs> yeah, it's always like <laughs> or something like that. So, like this person said this, and so. So I think that for the 35th anniversary, this got a like Blu-ray release. Oh. Um, I don't think there's any like commentary for this because. Um, Dan Addis, Addis um, never directed another film after this. Uh, he had a successful career in television, but um, it was his only film. Yeah, yeah. Looking at his filmography, he's literally done like all of television and a bunch of like The Boys and Homeland and a bunch of HBO shows. Yeah, yeah. It's always sunny. He's directed a bunch of them, which is funny. Um, but yeah, yeah, he definitely has transitioned. He's still working to today. He just did a episode. The last thing he did was Penny Dreadful, City of Angels. But that was just last year. So that's pretty cool that he's still doing stuff. I yeah, He knows kind of, especially when he's building tension, like with the sheriff in the garage, he does it so well that it's kind of it's kind of crazy he's, he, he stopped doing this. But 
I guess you move over to TV and it's you're going with the same. Find your niche. Also, it sounds like the the producer being so down on him might have been like, you know what? I'm not going to deal with this. Yeah. Yeah. On TV, it's a lot less. So. Although he did 10 episodes of Entourage. Okay. Someone directed yeah. Entourage? That's awesome. I think once you get into being part of the HBO family, you never leave. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, who's doing Entourage this week? back for projects, like, constantly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then I was looking through these facts, and there's a mis- a misinformed fact in here about Corey Haim. So um, I was like, I don't know if I'll read any more of these, just in case they're not accurate. But <laughs> something about him uh, later being in another Stephen King film called Stand By Me. I'm like, he's not in that movie. <laughs> Yeah, audition for that movie, but he's not yeah. in it. That's the wrong Corey gang. <laughs> wrong Corey. They're just letting anyone put these on IMDb these days. I don't know. This is, uh, I mean, it's WordPress, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love this film. I love uh, werewolf folklore. And so for me, this uh, definitely plays into a lot of folklore about the werewolf as well the film and i think that's another reason that i like it so much yeah yeah i really liked and i really there was like just so much to like about this the way they handle the werewolf folklore the way they kind of change some of the mythos but they don't ever forget that it's still a werewolf movie uh yeah i think it it works on so many levels I, and i think you know maybe not the first movie if you want to introduce your like a younger 13 year old to too horrible if like if it's one of the first i think it would work very well like well, that's for me yeah. <laughs> i was gonna say that might have been too much too soon but you know you got through it so i was good yeah i was good um and then after this um because let's see we watched this then we watched friday the 13th then we watched child's play um the gauntlet and then we watched like a nightmare on elm street because all these things that were like starting to come to airing on television so they might have been the edited for television versions at first or my grandmother had the vhs tapes um but she got me into horror so um this was the first that i can distinctly remember but i remember watching those other films uh as well that was like me at her house during the summer just like the summer of horror and blood and guts and gore so you were having like your own summer of horror i was into it i I, you know i kept kept on that path yeah that's awesome yeah so yeah if you if this is your first horror film then look at the feature um also it's funny like okay friday child's play and and nightmare you'd be like um you'd think that this would be the tamest but i feel like it's actually the most gory out of all of them maybe it has a tie with Nightmare on Elm Street, but I feel like it's it's pretty gory. Yeah, there's some there's some significant gore in this. I think that probably um, the woman who's murdered is like this one of the scarier scenes. Yeah, in the film. Yeah, to me, it's it's the head. <laughs> and this also kind of um, to me, even though it there's a supernatural element, it plays very much along. A true crime storyline so i don't know if there are any true crimes that may have inspired some of these werewolf attack stories that came together um but i find that kind of interesting so it's something i'd be interested to dig into a little bit yeah and i especially think that it was good as far as like when they're like kind of examining the and it's not a long scene but when they're looking at the paint of the dirt bike and the paint of the car and like just kind of when they start like doing their little investigation, I was like, "Oh man, this is this is an interesting way to kind of look at yeah. <laughs> the werewolf genre." So I thought the whole film has a who done it aspect to it. Yeah, which is which is a good way to kind of which makes sense, especially because every werewolf movie, except for like American Werewolf, or most of them, are trying to like figure out who the wolf is, and I think that that's that's cool. That's a cool aspect. So yeah, overall, overall, good job, Stephen King. I don't know if you you've got a career ahead of you in horror. <laughs> yeah keep at it yeah keep at it um, yeah keep it up you know i thought it was strange uh during the opening credits they say based on the novelette and i was like is that like between a novella and a novel but then everything <laughs> else calls it a novella so 
maybe it's just yeah and then some things actually say novel too so i'm just like yeah why don't we just call everything a novel <laughs> and who cares how long it is and just like let it go yeah yeah doesn't make sense at this point <laughs> although i appreciate a short read i'm a big fan of horror anthologies yeah I like a story that i can finish in i don't know like five to ten minutes um and then move on to the next just get a uh, hint of it yeah i could see that because sometimes... i think nowadays i don't know what it is but i don't know if you you're both avid readers but i was a ferocious reader when i was a kid and now it's really hard to like sit down and like read a full-on novel so uh anthologies are kind of like um what i always have in my back pocket essentially at the moment yeah yeah i kind of agree with you it's very hard like i um i have to like sit down to read a whole novel it's almost like i have to sit down and read it all in one setting i know it's like i've i have to push myself because if i if i stop it's like if i don't keep at this i'll be like wait what were they doing why is this so long (laughs) yeah as a younger person i didn't have a television and a cell phone and (laughs) <laughs> computer around to distract me yeah. from like i know good, yeah d- during quarantine i did try to get back into it but it's been an uphill battle to read well, anything i did get a long. new kindle to try and yeah like, rekindle <laughs> that's why Perfect. they call it that i love books <laughs> i uh yeah. yeah i remember when i was like in college i could read like three books at the same time and now i know oh yeah now i'm just like oh my god where was i in this <laughs> yeah I also have this um, bad habit of if I try to start reading uh, like before bed, um, reading for me now is like taking some kind of narcoleptic yeah. <laughs> drug. Like I'll, I'll read a couple lines and all of a sudden uh, what used to happen, uh, me and my old partner, I'd be holding my Kindle and then like I would I would pass out so hard that I would like just drop it and I had dropped it on like their face a couple times oh, or something like that. <laughs> I used to get, uh, yeah, so I try not to bring my Kindle to bed anymore just because there's a serious, um, like, potential bodily harm hazard involved with the situation. That's hilarious, yeah. And I've tried, like, I had Audible for a while, and I just can't, like... I do turn those on before bed. They help me sleep. Oh, nice, yeah. But, like, yeah, and I try to listen to it on when I'm going to work, and I'm just, like, driving, and then I kind of lose my place. And then I'm like, what is happening in the story? So, I mean, there's a lot of good werewolf books out there. Oh, that's true. Um, for fiction. What would you suggest for someone who wants to read a werewolf book? Oh, gosh. I, it kind of depends because there's a different array. Like, um, uh, right now, I'm still in the middle of reading this, like, Patricia Briggs set of novels that's actually about a shapeshifter who I think she turns into a coyote but there's a pack of werewolves <laughs> in the town um if there's also fairies and shit so it kind of starts going down the path of like a uh, Charlene Harris with like true blood and stuff right so um I think I mean right now I'm just re- not necessarily werewolves but I'm reading uh Donnie Goodman's new anthology so oh cool I feel like with um, with the supernatural, like if you only watch movies and stuff, you're like, all right, Werewolves, Vampires, got it. But I feel like supernatural books really lean heavily into like fairies and whatnot. Yeah. So you're like, always oh. like, oh, this is this is like a whole thing underrepresented in the visual medium. Uh huh. Like, just go deep on dark fantasy. Don't yeah. just look up horror. Look up like dark fantasy. Yeah. Um, and then even when like dark fantasy horror sci-fi all cross over each other um it's super interesting because my dad will talk about how he grew up on science fiction and that was more his thing he's more into the science fiction films i was like well there's a lot of crossover um i know science fiction folks like to stay distinctive and outside of the horror genre (laughs) Um, yeah it blends though pretty well like i mean such a blend yeah. Um, and a lot of things too. Like that so. that dreadful Twitter debate like months ago, where the person's like, "Oh, Alien can't be a oh, horror yeah. film because oh, it's man. sci-fi." It's like, what are you talking about? That's when my tweet went viral. Oh really? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Well, so I, res- I didn't. I don't think I did not quote the tweet, but I just made my own and was like, yes. Uh, science fiction can be horror period <laughs> and it just went viral for some reason so um, I was just like okay cool um, 
everyone agrees. Yeah. <laughs> and I think what I, 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 mean, I said yeah. that, and I also like put in screenshots of several sci-fi horror films um, in in the tweet. And I was like, these are all sci-fi films. Yeah. <laughs> They're sci-fi horror films. So um, it's like there's plenty. That, I think the the funny thing about it is there's just so many examples of where sci-fi and hor- horror meet um, that are that totally like just debunk the point that yeah it was being I, don't know. I, I feel like it was meant to go i suspect people. they were tra- yeah they were they were like oh this will get people riled by being very it's stupid like the and i'll get a lot of attention post. yeah it's like here's my hot take and it's like it's just a stupid take it's not that hot so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there is a difference <laughs> yeah. yeah so but yeah, yeah sci-fi can be horror that's my bottom line too. <laughs> Same. I'm trying to think of some other um, examples of some like maybe more obscure, lesser known werewolf films. I know I am Lisa just came out. I haven't seen that yet. I don't know if you've seen. Um, I think it's called. Oh, I'm gonna forget now. It has, but there's a film. It's a about a girl who's like transitioning and by the end of the film she fully transitions into a werewolf Um, because it's something that doesn't start until like a certain point Um, and I actually think it's Willem Dafoe that's like helping to try to keep her human in the film man I'm gonna it's gonna bug me now yeah I've never I don't think yeah I'm I'm not I'm not well versed so I couldn't speak to it but it sounds interesting I'm sure it'll tell we me. We did uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf, which isn't technically a werewolf movie, but I thought it was. So I counted. Oh, and well, Good Manners is on um, Shudder now, I believe. Oh, yeah, I saw that one. Well, I saw that it just recently came on Shudder. Yeah, but cool. And I think this one, yeah, it should be talked about in the same way that, uh, that like, like we were saying, like uh, American Werewolf and and the howling are talked about even ginger snaps i saw ginger snaps and i really liked that one oh. yeah we just talked about that one i think i've finally seen all the ginger snaps films now because the one that i hadn't seen was unleashed uh the second film oh yeah i saw that and, one too um it has a very young tatiana yeah. maslani in it um who's also canadian it's great. also canadian yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure that film was shot in canada everyone in it is canadian it actually is a Canadian horror horror film series, um, but <laughs> yeah, I'll have to find it and send it to you. It's an interesting. It's like a very subtle, slow burn type of horror film, um, and almost to the point where it's it's barely even horror in like the traditional way we might think of it. Um, but when I find it, I'll send it to you. Yeah, cool. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I think overall. This is a good one. Um, but yeah, so yeah, guys, uh, Silver Bullet. Also, this is the end of our uh, winter of guests or year of guests. Autumn of guests. Autumn. I don't know. <laughs> Whenever it airs. This will be Whatever time of year it <laughs> yeah. is. But yeah, so it was a great film to end on because it was like, again, it fit perfectly. It has a low Rotten Tomato score. Uh, Roger Ebert was talking about who knows what in his review. <laughs> But it was worth a watch, and it was—I was pleasantly surprised. So, thank you for showing us this film. Um, yeah. Do you want to? I know you have the the podcast and other stuff. Do you want to plug anything? Oh, do I want to plug anything? Um, yeah, sure. I guess there's a couple things that probably will be out by the time everybody hears this episode. So, um. So my name is Anola Leon King, and I am part of a anthology that's going to be coming out in October. So it might be out by the time you hear this. Um, it's called Hear Us Scream, and it is uh, an anthology of essays from uh, non-binary and female horror lovers. And uh, it has some great personal essays and stories in there about uh, how horror has uh, in- affected us as people. And um, then also, of course, the podcast. So if you want to listen to me rant about horror films and interview uh, authors and podcasters and filmmakers on my podcast, uh, you can check out Slay Away and it's available on 
anywhere you want to consume a podcast. So cool. And maybe you'll find me on there if you look hard enough. Yeah, eventually <laughs> when that episode comes out. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, we're we're at a we're doing a race to see which one of our episodes comes out. That's pretty well, cool, though. Yeah. yeah, that is super awesome. Do you- I'm very excited. Yeah, it's my first uh, piece in a, a published book, um, and then I have like the other bylines on websites and right. stuff. But it's it's cool. And uh, I, obviously, I don't want you to say everything, but can you give our listeners? A little taste of what you uh, write about, uh, just so that they can have an idea. Yeah, so my story, it's a very personal essay about how horror saved my life. Awesome, awesome. That's very interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so check that out. The links will be below right now, so go check them out. And uh, as always, like and subscribe. And Nola, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a good time. I love talking about werewolves, Stephen King. <laughs> Yeah, this particular horror film. This movie seems almost <laughs> like it was made specifically for you. Which... A little horror film I could. Yeah. Well, I love Corey Heyman wheelchairs, so this was made for me for a different and reason. This, so. this film came out the year I was born, so I saw it probably five years later. I probably didn't see it till 1990, 1992. Right. That's crazy because this film came out on Josh's birthday. Uh, yeah, was it your actual enough. birthday, Josh, or just the same day? October the 11th? The day I was born, yeah. Very <laughs> strange. strange. Wait, October 11th, 1985? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> what? That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy that everyone's birthday. Well, just because, like, I didn't, I had to double check when it came out because I was just reading that article and it's like the 35th anniversary. And that means that you would have turned 30, probably 35 on the 35th anniversary or 36. Yeah, had I known about it, you know, a year ago, I could have been there at the yeah official sure? event they had for it i don't know <laughs> that's so crazy <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. uncanny so crazy yeah but cool yeah everyone's connected except for me i guess i'm the outliner well yeah well thank you for joining us again guys links at the bottom check it out and thank you guys for joining us on the bomb squad we'll see you next time